Hello again. Hello, hello. I am so sorry. I think the app sensed my socialist rant. No. Oh, damn it. No comrades. (laughs) No comrades today. Capitalism or death. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. This is episode 20 of Homebound Happy Hour. Yes. And cheers. Happy score. Isn't that what a score is? 20 years? Oh. It's in four score and... Oh, I have I have no idea. I think, I think that's right. Well, um... I'll link it up. Oh, and Dottie's joined us. Dottie has joined us, so... She's gonna bark. Um, yeah, we probably need to shut the door. Uh, we have recorded previously a friend joining us to talk about some things. Um, so yes, we're going to ruin something else for you. Yeah. That, um, that everyone just, yeah. So there's not a whole lot to go into uh, right now, but we can really. just kind of, um, talk about, I don't know, any, any important things that have happened this week. Um, well... San Diego has mandated that indoor dining is now prohibited for at least three weeks. Yes, we've re-restricted some things. Yay. Yeah. So, Good job, um, San Diego. I, well, I have an opinion about that, and that is, fuck. Well. <laughs> That's the opinion. No, it's just that, okay, <laughs> so where be. I work, outdoor dining is not something we do. Um, it's, our guests are welcome to enjoy the outdoors, but that's not a service that we provide. So, um, normally I would have assumed that we would be closing, but corporate greed being what it is, uh, we are adapting our dining experience to include the outdoors, um, which for the people that work there is going to be a lot for I mean they're already asking a lot for us to be working in the middle of a freaking pandemic in the first place so to to now have to readapt every aspect of our service standard on a job that already has a lot of aspects it's going to be probably pretty rough and I being one of those people that has returned to work, um, am pretty fearful of how this is going to go down, and lots of, of safety concerns. Lots of safety concerns, um, and also I'm concerned for my health because the cases of COVID nineteen continue to rise here in our town. And it really sucks to be one of those people that has stayed home pretty strictly for three months. And the idea that I could just go to work and get it from one shift is terrifying. So that's that's where I am right now. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people are in that situation. Um, Like some of the people that have followed on Twitter that have been very vocal about following the guidelines. And they themselves have not been venturing out. I think one person... Because of things opening up, they had to go back to work one day of the week uh, to 
basically train people on on something, which is uh, bananas. But uh, she ended up getting it just that one time. Yeah, so and it's that's like, what oh, I'm great. afraid of. Yeah. yeah. But I don't like the... So if you're not familiar with what's going on here, I, you're not from San Diego or, or you don't know what's going on. Hi, Dottie. They, they, like many places in the country, they reopened some things, but they quickly had to shut down bars again. So no bars. And then indoor dining at restaurants. So if restaurants can... They have to mainly serve food. They could serve alcohol with food, but they can't if they have you outdoor. You can't leave your table. You can't consume food or drink away from your table. Mm-hmm. That's all mandated. So that takes one right. part of the experience where I work away because usually people get up and walk around with their yeah. beverage. So you can only dine in if the place is ample outdoor seating. And so even before these restrictions were reenacted. A lot of restaurants were trying to expand their outdoor spaces, mm-hmm. and uh, there are places in Italy that was allowing them to expand. They closed off the street so they could expand in mm-hmm. there, and then I've seen people now, since you can only do outdoor, uh, they have a parking lot. They've mm-hmm. like, put tents in the Putting up stuff. tents in the parking lot. Yeah, I saw and that today. I don't, I mean, um, not I don't want to but... go out to eat to a restaurant, but I don't know, the idea of paying money to, to go, go to a restaurant a go lot. sit in a parking lot or yeah. in the middle of the fucking street. I know. Just doesn't seem that I don't want to go outside. Desperate? Yeah, like, I don't want to go outside that much. I'd rather badly. get the fucking to go, still tip 20%, of course, mm-hmm. and then get the shit to go and come home where it's goddamn safe. And then rewatch Game of Thrones and for the second time. That's what we're doing right now. We're watching Game of Thrones. You know. Which, by the way, season one, the finale of season one was a fucking banger, man. We mm-hmm. watched that last night, and it it was, like, just as exciting this time to, like, see fucking Khaleesi rise from the ashes with those mm-hmm. dragons. Like, it was amazing. Spoiler alert. Oh. Well, if you haven't yeah. watched Game of Thrones <laughs> yeah. by now, you're probably not going to. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> but if well, they haven't watched it, they don't know who that is. Right. Yeah. They probably have a child or a pet named after her, though, right? <laughs> We were just talking that show. about that, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Andy was saying, like, somebody's, like, cat named Khaleesi or something. And I said, oh, I actually know someone whose granddaughter is named Khaleesi. Mm-hmm. Um, so props to them for pop culture referencing their kid. That's cute. Mm-hmm. That's a cute name. I mean, I wouldn't do that personally, but it, well, I don't see anything wrong with it. I, right. But, like, with the way the show ended. Like, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's like just uh, call shit. her Callie. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and the point that I brought up also is that the during the first season, actually the first couple of seasons, before it really exploded into, you know, became part of the zeitgeist yeah. and everyone yeah, in there all was watching. Three. It was still kind of, you know, uh, less well known, and so it was kind of almost nerdy and mm-hmm. a little undergroundy. I so, remember people talking like you could, about it yeah, when I, mean, I would go like do laundry at, and there was a bar next door. I would go to that bar. So, I mean, I could see like a lot of people saying that's cool. Like, oh, yeah, you know, that's this cool character in this show that, that I'm into that not too many people know about. But then, you know, it's like now it'd be like naming a pet Rachel or Chandler or something right, like that. Yeah. It's just... I had a hamster named Buffy once. Really? Oh. But it was based on the movie because the show wasn't even out yet when yeah. that happened. 
I loved that movie when I was a kid. So, anyway, um, sorry. without uh, without further ado, uh, we have joining us this week on the podcast our um, friend, your friend first, mm-hmm. um, Bailey. Bailey, yeah. Who we we introduce her, I think, yeah. while we're talking to her. Oh, we do. Okay, yeah. But um, mainly, you're gonna hear we we wanted to kind of chit chat about Hamilton mm-hmm. and the theater industry in general. So you'll hear some of that. Um, she and myself both having uh, theater backgrounds when we were younger. Uh, myself more on like the drama side and her definitely more of the musical side. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then um, the cultural relevance of some of the shows, uh, mainly Hamilton. You'll hear. Um, and then we have a little fun challenge for you. Yes. Uh, which is Bailey. <laughs> well, actually, she doesn't say it that many times, but she's like, oh, we should make a drinking game out of how many times I say the word magical. So if you if you catch that and you want to drink along with us, drink when Bailey says magical, which mm-hmm. at the end is going to be a lot. <laughs> because. Oh, yeah. It's going to be rapid fire. It's at the end of the fireworks display. Magical, magical, just, magical, magical. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. Uh, and that's how we named the episode today. Yes. Yeah. A very magical episode or very, something. Like something that. like that. Yeah. We'll we haven't fully decided. But anyway. Uh, moving along, we will join you shortly with our friend Bailey. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah. Sick. That was fast. Yeah, I told you it was just a snack. Hello. It's too hot to cook. Hey, oh. <laughs> I was excited. Sorry. Okay, uh, so welcome to the podcast. Yes. Welcome. Hey, um, we're gonna cheers to you. With our try and make a nice noise too with my <laughs> headphones. Ready? <laughs> Three <Ice> cheers. <laughs> uh, so just moments ago, uh, Bailey called me bougie for drinking yeah, champagne, but we're having we're having we're cheap. It's it's eleven dollars. <laughs> Oh. A bottle. Uh, so, on the budget. Um, this is episode 20 of Homebound Happy Hour. And today our special guest is my friend Bailey, who used to be a co-worker. Um, but now we are friends in addition to that. Woohoo! We graduated. <laughs> Yay! So, um, yeah, as always, uh, your hosts, Anna and Andy here. Hi. Hello. Hi. There you go. Um, so today we kind of wanted to talk about some theater related stuff. And so um, I had posted kind of like a like a casting call, if you will, amongst friends to see if anybody mm. would be interested and or good for that. And Bailey um, was the perfect fit. Yeah. I volunteered as tribute. You did. So thank you so much. And this was. <laughs> This was sparked because in, in the midst of all of the wonderful content we've been yeah. just absorbing in these last few months. Um, so, so good. So good. But uh, Disney Plus, if those of you listening are unaware, um, for some reason, is streaming. There's nobody who's the, unaware. <laughs> the entire um, Hamilton show. In case you live under a rock. Right. Yeah, pretty um, much. 
it's so it's the the actual show from the from opening curtain to it's about the, I mean it's, yeah it's and show. it's like, it's like you're on the stage with them it's actually incredible like um you watched it Bailey you watched it after we did right yeah I but saved seen... it for the fourth of July with my family okay and you've seen the production live though right I have not actually oh okay oh I... god so oh, were yeah. you just like totally blown away by this production so it was a weird experience for me, I'm going to be honest with you, because since 2015, when it released, I have listened to the soundtrack probably minimum 300 times, like, and it's oh. a two-hour soundtrack. Yeah. So, it's like, longer, I, right? I am, I'm obsessed. Oh, I was yeah. obsessed. I love Lin-Manuel Miranda anyway, when he released In the Heights in 2008, so, like... I overplayed that. I have every word memorized. So it was just kind of like, oh my God, it's real. Mm-hmm. There they are. It's not yeah. just their voice. Did you cry in like the first two seconds? Shh, details. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we don't. don't I, like, I totally yeah. did. Because I get, I get like so overwhelmed sometimes of the beauty of theater. And like, I, I how, cried like, in a set change in Cinderella. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not even kidding you. Like the whole, like the second time she transforms and she pulls a second cord and her dress transforms. And then the whole set just turns around. I like lost it. <laughs> hmm. I'm a mess to go to the theater with. I really am. I like, I just like start crying. Like the opening thing of Lion King happens and it's just that overstimulation. Yeah. And you're of everything coming down the aisle. So it's just like, well, it's like, yeah, I mean, I think like the rawness too of like seeing someone act in front of you and like knowing there's no cuts and there's no breaks and like mm-hmm. basically like they're giving their yeah. all. And on that stage every day, it's like, it's really overwhelming, like the art part of it. Well, from a a person that's not, that hasn't acted, that hasn't participated in that aspect of theater, but, you know, performed or whatever, but I'm always um, just overwhelmed by the, the environment, the setting. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember just vividly you know, like seeing Wicked at, at Pantages in Hollywood. But in that theater is just awe. It's, it's, it's awesome. Cool. Like we use awesome a lot, but it is, it is yeah. the true meaning. Literally awesome. Yeah. And he is heard. <laughs> right. Hot dogs, awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's just, that's part of it too. But yeah. It's like getting There's dressed a true up magic. and going out and seeing Yeah, it's a, show. a whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there's a true you know, magic to it. Like I, I've seen like a few like outdoor shows up in Carlsbad that like a, another former coworker was part of, and even at that, like, yeah, o- over oh. at Moonlight. So like yeah, a former, so a former coworker um, also did some shows there, and I got to see her perform. Um, I'm not gonna like use her name or anything, but she also responded to my post about asking people about theater. Oh, you should have got her. She's like a continual actor. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's not just about acting, though. It's like, this is a, like our opinions. And so, like, to to be, like, theater nerds, like, I think that that really valuably adds to the conversation. And also, I really wanted, ideally, somebody that Andy has met also so that he's comfortable talking with you. That's fair. I guess. Yeah. So that's why, like, when you responded, I was like, oh, that's perfect. I'm perfect. So, perfect for a role for once. 
um so I saw something right before we sent you the link that was actually really amazing and it's um you know who Weird Al is I love Weird Al okay I, I'm oh sure my God. I, I'm not surprised everybody's um, weird uncle so he did uh he did you know how he does like polka tracks yes and they're magic he did a polka <laughs> track of Hamilton and I'll send it to you in a little bit but it can was, we just like cut to that so good <laughs> Well, we don't have the rights to it, so we yeah. can't play anything. But, um, but actually, I, I, I feel like, so like he's nice, and I feel like he would let us. I I feel like he's he's a good dude. He always posts like people's costumes of him. Yeah, on Instagram. I feel like he stuff. would let it slide. Yeah, I I for sure would want to get permission before doing anything like that. But he he does seem like the kind of dude that would be like okay with it. Yeah. I actually Drop was it planning on maybe dressing up as him for Halloween this year because I got that wig. <gasps> yes! That curly wig. <laughs> You'd be yeah. good at that. So I'm still, oh. I'm still thinking about it. But... Yes. You know, in case we do quarantine Halloween. Quarantine uh, Halloween. Yeah. I was thinking that or we could do Queen. Cause that, you could <gasps> oh yeah, that'd be egg. fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I mean, I sorry, could... I like got lost. <laughs> I like got lost in my head trying to figure out my costume We're all for Queen. So. Um, <laughs> well, I get you. Like, you gotta make it. You gotta so you gotta like get way too into it. Yeah, yeah. So, so one of the things like that kind of made us want to talk about this today was like mer- first of all, like the actual history that the show is based on, which is not as cool and happening as the musical makes it out to be Um, (laughs) not as diverse right Right. well you made a point of saying that you know you 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 were a huge fan since 2015 and I mean 2015 was a was a very different time even just in the four years culturally and socially right now Mm -hmm. yeah so like Obama era right like that that is a huge part of that and like what we needed at that time, right? Like, yeah, it's kind of like we had like this area, this era of high diversity and high hope, and it everything that we're talking about today with all of these protests and everything is was still present back then. It's mm-hmm. just it wasn't mm-hmm. as prevalent, and it felt like a time that we were progressing through that. And then it doesn't help that we're also stuck in quarantine, so we have nothing better to do than focus on what we haven't been able to do slash fix in the world. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah, so I was just, like, one of the things that, like, Andy brought up, like, the time period, for sure, I think, because since then, because there are are some people, quite a few people that have been... um, fighting for BLM this whole time since, you know, Ferguson. Mm-hmm. And that was around the same time that this musical came out and like people were like, yeah, diverse cast, that's amazing. But then it's almost to me in the current climate, like almost lost a little bit because there's so much like open racism and bad behavior now. Like I well, wonder. Hamilton, I don't think was ever meant to be this huge political statement about that. Mm-hmm. It was, it's kind of like when, I don't know if you guys have ever, it's like 
every single high school that does Shakespeare does this. They put like, oh, it's too antiquated. We got to put it in like World War II. We'll understand that. That's closer to our time. <laughs> yeah. Make it more relatable. Like Hades Town just came out and it's let's tell a Greek god show. But like, how do we make it relatable? coal miners that's right. how we yeah. make it like it's okay. so so it's like hamilton Lord. i don't think their original yeah. point yeah. was trying to be like we're gonna be super 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 progressive it was we are in this era of theater where we take things and we twist them because that's what new age theater does and he wanted all of these characters and he wrote this while right while performing and still like headlining in um in the Heights. And so mm-hmm. a lot of the characters are also written the part for them for In the Heights. Like Angelica was Nina, Washington was Barry, Hamilton obviously is Lin Manuel, who was Usnavi. Like a lot of that cast came from In the Heights. So mm-hmm. it wasn't even written. I don't, I can't speak. I'm not Lin. But it's like, I don't think that was the main objective of the, the diverse casting. It was Lin finding who he knew to be the best and knowing that theater allows him to push these barriers and casting everything like this. Yeah, that's a perspective I was unaware of. Mm-hmm. Like, let me use my friends for this, even though we're playing old white men that yeah. most likely own slaves. And I, I don't know. <laughs> I think um, kind of like what, what Bailey was saying, I mean, they, the, the focus wasn't, wasn't on that so much in, in the sense no. that, I mean, we still, you know, I mean, even growing up through going to school, I mean, we're forced to learn about, you know, the 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 old white men. I mean, that's who we're forced to learn mm-hmm. about. Those are the stories that we know. And um, but only now, just I think people are starting to to see that vision, feel the vision open more widely, more expansive, to to be at the point to where they say, okay, well, we can we can tell our stories too. We don't have to tell. Um, so I don't. I mean, I don't fault him for trying to update that. I don't, I don't think that, that that's a fair criticism of that. But um, I think where people are getting sort of caught up in it is just that you know we shouldn't. People shouldn't be praising this as a be all end all of like inclusivity and turning things around in terms of of wokeness and and what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like the actors themselves are very vocal and prominent on on many fronts. Um, I know. Uh, I just saw something in Twitter right now. Sorry, I'll find it here in a second. The uh, I think the other thing that came up, which is which is actually one of the points I did want to talk about, is just that the complexity, I guess, of the characters that we have to tell stories about. So. There's plenty of people, you know, we were we were just talking about even Frederick Douglass that mm-hmm. have, have done, and I don't think people are questioning the fact that the founding fathers or whatever did great things towards the creation and foundation of our government, but they were also very problematic people in terms of being slave owners and right. not being, Hamilton himself was not very cool to his... Uh, to unfaithful uh, yeah yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> but that we know of you know but we like have so to, many times but was... we have to tell these stories in what's the uh verb of making someone a hero he- he- hero size or something people and we do this in art music 
theater, uh, sport, I mean, everything that don't have the best, um, you know, other parts of their lives that so, you know, just what, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's one of those things where it's like, I, I understand, trust me, I really want to only glorify in history, the people who actually deserve it. Like, there is entire, like, everybody in that cast was a slave owner. It was, mm-hmm. it's not even a joke. Like, it, they're like, you can go to Mount Vernon. I've been to Mount Vernon, and an entire part of it is like, here's the history of Washington slaves mm-hmm. and what he made them do. And was he a good slave owner? Was he not? And turns out he was kind of middle of the road. Like, he didn't purposely, like, go out and do bad things, but, like, he owned slaves and he disciplined them like slaves. And it's, you know, so it's one of those things where it's like, it was already a three hour musical. How yeah. much deeper can we go in three hours? Right, right, right. And it's and if will this it make was a Hamilton the yeah. If this is this isn't Hamilton the dissertation, this is Hamilton right. the all American rap musical. Right. So it's hard. Well, like, something I and like you, today. what's gonna fit in a plot? You know, like Washington yeah. slave owners is not really gonna fit in with the room where it happened. Right, it's and that's not. not the story they were trying to tell either, like that side of it, because they they were pretty progressive for their party at that time and were about abolishing slavery despite still owning slaves. But, you know, look how many years later it took for it to actually happen. Yeah. Like first president versus 16th president, you know? It's not exactly a linear, fast fashion that these things happen. Oh, right. And, and I mean, I don't they're even also... really know who's, like, in between. I don't pay attention to, like, who was in between, like, the order of the presidents or anything. But, like, no, it's you're totally right. Lincoln. That's not that's not it's the a... story that was trying to be told. And um, I totally get what you're saying. And that's the thing is, like, the people that created this show also totally weren't silent about that either. They were like, oh, no, we get it, you know. Yes, Lynn is very vocal on his Twitter about everything. And, like, even, like, half of, like, a lot of his stuff went to, like, mm. when the hurricane hit Puerto Rico. And he's not silent. And as, like, that one time that Pence came to the show and the cast called Oh, I Pence. totally remember that. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. And then everyone's like, oh, theater's supposed to be a safe space. But in reality, theater for hundreds of years has been challenging norms and introducing ideas. But... Theater is also a place where we have to like throw some glitter up, do some jazz hands and sing a song at the same time. There's only like really a few depressing musicals like and you don't get famous for being depressing unless you're lame is. You have <laughs> to throw glitter. Or yeah. rent, you have to throw glitter in the air and you have to musician. have a dance number and you Cabaret. have to have someone do a flip. Yeah. There's a All lot those... of depressing musicals basically. Well, yeah, I mean like <laughs> Well, yeah, Greece is get the slut, get, become a slut, get the man. But like, right? Yeah, you we actually think talked about, about that on the past podcast, Greece. It's such an f- interesting show. <laughs> well, we really, yeah, like our point was like seeing what? an elementary school do it, and they have yeah, to like censor most like of the songs. They do like these <laughs> talent shows, and uh, well, yeah, because like all you remember is summer nights, Greece lightning, and uh, you're the one that I want. And you're like, yeah, into the show. <laughs> But those aren't like, good songs. <laughs> those are for, dirty for elementary for school third kids. graders yeah. to be singing. <laughs> we, I also did Grease in high school in my theater production, and uh, it was quite interesting because the teacher was like, "We can't really. Sit. We're high schoolers. Like we are adults. Yeah. We're the age group of the actual cast. And I know you guys are saying these words, and 
being this way there's outside a, of this theater, but we cannot say it because there's the a really funny Alice. SNL sketch yeah. about that with Christopher Walken. <sighs> yes. Yeah, I one. love the SNL sketches that make fun of high school theater because they're so yeah. true. <laughs> oh yeah, all the ones. Oh, yeah, God, they're yeah. so good. Yeah, with those black boxes that every theater has. That we yes, have, we're super edgy I, and we're all in black those. and Converse, and we're like, "This." It's like a cast of all white kids going, "This was not the way." And like, <laughs> you're like, you and got guess like, what? He was Asian. Wow. Yeah, and like literally. So yeah. like we did the play South Pacific, my like second year of high school theater. And we had a huge problem with that because it's like we had our best singer in the class was black and he can't be Emile de Beck because the whole thing is is he has children of color with a Pacific Pacific Islander woman. And the main girl is like, Oh my god, I didn't know. I'm so conflicted. And you can't have Emile de Beck as our best actor. Like, yeah. being very obviously, and then, like, but also, like, he was one of our very few, like, diverse cast members. So, like, all of the people who had to play these side characters who were supposedly some ethnicity, like, we, like, our Bloody Mary, who was Pacific Islander Asian, mm-hmm. was, like, the white, like, a complete white girl. And mm-hmm. it's, like, you get these weird dichotomies of, like, what you can do and what's wrong to do and what's yeah, right yeah, to yeah, do. Yeah. Yeah, I saw a production of that actually at Moonlight in Carlsbad where um, I don't I don't recall actually the casting, but um, that person that we mutually know was in it. Like, I don't remember like who she played or anything like that, but yeah, or if they used white actors or. Oh, it's a. Yeah, and it's weird because Hamilton did the. It's it's nice that Hamilton did the opposite because normally you have white characters playing mm-hmm. people of color, and yeah. so it was a very big flip because like I think Miss Saigon has like their first Asian lead in it. Mm-hmm. Like seriously, it's like the first time she's ever been played by the correct ethnicity in the entire run of the show, which is huge. Wait, and... well, Leah Salonga played her. Yes, so it was a few years ago, but like yeah. not. Like, but seriously, like, it was the huge news. It was, like, the first time since Miss Saigon came out that it was actually played by the appropriate person. And it's just, it's about that whole, like, the whole excuse back then was, like, oh, but if they're good, then they need to, then they can play the part. It's fine. It doesn't matter. It's, like, oh, right. so then Hamilton used that to cast their characters. And then just circling back to what you were saying about how people thought it was the be all the end all like we did it we beat racism mm-hmm. yay like it's because people see the good thing happening and they're like oh because that's happening it's we're all good now like we're on the good side it's like this one case made people comfortable like you guys said yeah. and it wasn't really a i don't think an intended super like we're ending racism mood because no, no, no. I, th- I would argue that the first black casting of Cinderella and in Elsa in the Frozen musical were bigger mm-hmm. strides because they were predominantly always cast as white women. Yeah. And here we are saying like, no, this girl is magical. She's got the voice. She can handle this role. She's an amazing actor and she's on the role. That's it. Yeah. And um, I feel like kids are a lot more accepting than we are. Well, yeah, oh, yeah. Look at Kid- Disney. I mean, what Disney has been able to do with uh-huh. putting forth stories involving different cultures and different ethnicities um i was gonna and <laughs> i'm gonna go on a limb here and make a selena reference but i oh. remember 
um, when they cast uh, Jennifer Lopez in the in the role for uh, Selena, Selena. Uh, that we came out that her the real life dad Abraham was very against that because she's of Puerto Rican descent and he didn't want someone that wasn't um, that wasn't Mexican American playing her and back then and even I admittedly so was like oh what's the big deal you know you know didn't see a problem with that but um but i think now more people would be would be sensitive to that mm-hmm. being like well you know she's a mexican-american she should be portrayed by a mexican-american actress selena was also very cherished and held dear so like right. it was yeah. very important that she was portrayed accurately right yeah. so people really really wanted because everybody was so proud of her Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's one of the reasons why it was so important. I don't honestly remember when the Selena movie came out. I only saw it years later. Yeah, because so, you're much younger than us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Details. We don't need to tell the 90, viewers. 85, 97, something. I was even, I feel like I didn't see it back then. I didn't see it until the last few years, actually, for the first time. Like, me and Andy watched it. I think it was around yeah. Christmas time. Mm-hmm. We watched it. And, I remember um, I've seen I saw parts of it like on TV. So like I technically had seen the Selena movie. Like I saw it picking up at different parts on TV. But the first time I saw Selena all the way through was on a flight back from Iceland. I was creeping on somebody and I found out that their Bluetooth was not op- was not closed. And I Bluetooth my headphones and I watched Selena through the seats with my headphones connected to their <laughs> iPad. <laughs> so that was the first time I saw it all the way through, which was only 2017. But I'd seen it technically. Yeah, I feel like that's probably the first year I ever watched it. I remember it was around Christmas time and um, like Andy put it on for us to watch together. And then I've seen it probably like six times since then <laughs> because he likes it a lot. So, you know, or it's like one of those he puts it on if it's on kind of thing. And yeah. there was a musical uh, produced in the early 2000s that, that didn't quite get its footing but uh, Selena, uh-huh. a music Selena forever a musical celebration of life uh, oh yeah the off-broadway yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's why it resurged because everyone got hyped yeah yeah but I don't uh appropriately well I mean yeah um so one of the things I kind of wanted to talk about was like Broadway itself um because Hamilton while it did embrace like, you know, a a very diverse cast. Mm -hmm. Um, The seats were still extremely expensive to that show, like unaffordable. And so like, I don't know, like if you've ever heard of rent does like a lottery where if you want to see rent and you're like a theater student and you can't afford it, you wait for a few hours. Uh, It's overnight. It's a Mm -hmm. lot of hours. I've done it like three times. Um, but Hamilton does the same thing. They do a lottery for people that can't afford to come see the show in $1,000 seats. Yes. So they had the app lottery and then they had the you could wait outside at will call. And if you didn't make it by like a certain time in the play, you could come in. So that so one, it bothers me that that has to exist mm-hmm. because the seats are so expensive, so ungettable without like years reservations or whatever. Um but these, like, that's what I was kind of saying yesterday, like, we were talking about it, um, 
like what we might talk about with you. And I was saying, you know, that's why like off Broadway and off off Broadway are so great is because they're truly about the art and the artists. Whereas, um, you know, like these big Broadway productions might have shows about struggling people. Like even Little Orphan Annie is a rags to riches story, mm-hmm. but like no <laughs> one can fucking afford to go to it. That's the story, though, of theater. Theater is starving artists performing for rich people who can afford it. Theater is in itself a luxury, but they don't treat their cast and their crew members as it. Right. So you have to go into theater. I remember, like, my senior year, the teacher would have my senior year of high school. My last year I did theater. I did theater for, like, 12 years, every year of school, and then outside of school. And I stopped at 18 when I graduated because the theater teacher was like, if you're going to continue on past this point, like you got to realize you're going into a labor of love and you will never make money and you will, you will waitress on the side. You will bar, you will do something on the side, you, but you will be happy, but you will not be comfortable. Right. Mm. And it's just a accepted fact that no matter what you do, you're going to always be a little bit struggling and it's a starving artist for a reason. But that's the thing for me that I'm just like, I'm having a hard time with is, why hasn't that culture changed? Why by now aren't the actors being more celebrated and well, yeah. being able to make money unless they're famous, you know? Well, that not even sucks. if they're famous, if they're famous and they go to Hollywood because um, there are lots of actors. Like I remember I was watching um, for the Tony Award, the Carpool Karaoke, and they had actually a bunch of, um, they had a bunch of uh, really famous um What's her name? Oh, she was in She Loves Me, and I love her so much. Oh, I forget Not her enough, name. enough, apparently. You don't know her name. <laughs> uh, Jan Karowski, I think? Oh, anyway, she's great. She's magical in She Loves Me. It's so good. Um, and they all, it was a bunch of, it was a car full of people who came off the TV shows to do a season of theater, and they're all like, is it worth the money? And all of them said No but it's worth the love. And I don't know why it's still like that, especially with shows like Hamilton that sell out, but it's, it's still like this and it's, everybody knows it. Even famous people who do shows and do have contracts in, in Hollywood, they know that if they want to take a break and they got to go to, they want to go to Broadway and do theater at its purest, then they have Mm -hmm. to be ready to take a dip. But I think this is also relatable to, other other sectors and other industries because especially um in like today's economy a lot of times to get ahead just like you have to succeed i mean you do have to pour basically your entire your soul your life your blood sweat tears all that into that uh if you're able to so you can only get an unpaid internship if you can afford Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. not have a job and do the same thing i mean you there may be well not may there are um you know thousands hundreds of thousands of people that love performing and love theater love the craft love the art and all that that simply can't do that because they have to eat eat or take care of kids or they live in a society where the arts are still luxury right Mm -hmm. it's like people say that they become doctors so that their kids can become artists Mm-hmm. I've never heard anyone say that. Really? I've, I've heard that a few times. Like we become doctors so our kids can become artists. Yeah. Well, it's, to get, it's the whole thing. It's the whole thing of like when uh, parents immigrate to a different, like come to America and they leave behind everything. It's like we leave behind our life to give our kids a better. 
to give them the freedom to choose. But medical school is no easy task. I mean, that's not, you know. No, it's not. I'm not saying it's a perfect example. I'm just saying that people become rich and, you know, like most people who are like successful in Broadway and successful in the arts, they are the kind of people who are like, oh, I took a gap year in like Barcelona Mm -hmm. or like they're the Mm -hmm. people who can afford that. Like they're not the people who, you know, I worked with you guys. I, I, well, I worked with you and I, and I worked like 40, 80 hours a week still during finals. It's not a luxury mm-hmm. I could have had. I was sleeping under desks after late night shifts and then just waking up and going to class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a luxury that is, it's, it's weird that the arts in our society is a luxury. I find it really strange that we've just full on accepted this, especially well, that, in a time like this, exactly like with I'm Corona saying. going on. Yeah. Because, like, all of those people, like, you, I don't know if you've seen all the calls to action for Hamilton cast and stuff. It's, like, most of the people who worked on that show, on the actual show, not the recording in Disney, are on unemployment right now because Broadway's closed till next summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're just about right? to stop that extra $600 a month that people were getting to survive the COVID pandemic. And every single person on Broadway is now on an unemployment. Mm-hmm. And they are not going to get their $600 unless we call our senators and do a call to action and say, no, people deserve money. Like, existing is a right. We deserve to eat. We deserve this. Well, imagine imagine how many dreams are crushed because of that that have to move back home. Or, you know, like, because living in New York is completely mm-hmm. unreasonable price-wise. Yeah. Like, I mean, I would never be able to afford that. Like Same. we're very lucky to live in San Diego the way that we live, and the idea of moving, even visiting New York, I'm like, I can't afford that. Mm-hmm. No way. Like, yeah. right? I can't. It, I just living there on being a Broadway, off Broadway, off off Broadway actor. Like how difficult that must be. Like how str- like struggle bus. You know. There's a lot That's of uh, indie movies about this whole struggle too, because. Like, you can just watch it pretty much all the indie movies on Netflix, and they all deal with this, like, living in Manhattan and living in New York. And mm-hmm. they're like, oh, look at these poor, poor people. And I, I hate these movies because they're like, look at these poor, struggling artists. And I'm like, you live in a one-bedroom apartment in New York. You are not struggling. Mm-hmm. But that in that world is struggling. It's a different type of vibe that it is a, people can't just afford. So what, like, that's one of the things I was thinking about was like a show like Rent, where they are all starving artists, but yet the show itself costs $500 a seat, you know? And it's like, it's like, who are they making this for? Because no, no one's seeing the reality of that. And that is, these are real people and this is a real struggle. And they're like, oh, it's just our night out at the theater. Like, they're not seeing that that the people up on the stage aren't just characters in a play. Those are the people that you're going to run into as soon as you walk out the door. Like they're like, I, I know that Annie was a that stupid would call example, for awareness but yeah, no, America, but like, it's like, we do not have these shows represent what's really happening, even if it's in an artistic way, but then, you know, you're paying five, hundred dollars to a thousand dollars a ticket to go to the show you're not one of the people that relates to what's being portrayed you know it's like 
anytime I would go to the theater here, like I had a friend with season tickets, and every time we lucky. would see, um, I know I was very lucky to go with her. Um, we would see people in floor length fur coats <gasps> in San Diego yeah. in like June. Because you gotta wear your mink at least once a year. No, and that's the thing. It's like that marine layer. <laughs> you have to show off how much money you have to be like a donor at the Civic Theater yeah. or the Globe, and it's just it's sickening. I don't know. I've always had like harbored a lot of resentment for very wealthy people, but I mean, it's, <laughs> it's the, the older you get, like I found out, there's just like you don't. You're like, oh, but there's got to be an equalizer. Like, it can't be that bad. And you're like, no, it's this bad. <laughs> it is this bad. Rich people don't, don't care. <laughs> the arts kind of get shit on in all aspects of society. Because in order to make it as an artist, you're breaking your back. You're overextending yourself in the hopes that maybe you just might catch lightning in a bottle. Uh -huh. But yeah. the people that are going to make the money are the producers and the record label, the production companies, all that. Oh, those are the people that are making money off the backs of the, the struggling artists. And then you have situations created in public schools where you can't even fund arts education properly uh, to to give kids a a chance and that that interest in that, so it becomes a very elite form of um, entertainment, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I agree on both of those accounts, and to both of those accounts of it being uh, unattainable and elite thing, it's like you look at the people who can go to acting college. And like mm -hmm. the whole musical fame and how expensive it is and how that one girl goes to be a prostitute because it's so expensive. And she's like, well, I could just make more money doing this and then break into acting in a solo career. And then she ends up getting killed. It's like people like it's inaccessible in their musicals. They make it known. Yeah. So, no, it's a huge like even just the education for the arts to be like, oh, hey, I'm an OK artist, but I need to find my skills is really hard because as a local example, we have. UCSD. And when you think of UCSD, you think of UCSD Medical. You think of UCSD Jacobs School of Engineering, where literally people are scholarshiped from all the way around the world to come to that school yeah. to do science. And it's expensive. It's 5500 a quarter for undergrad. And there's four quarters in the year, five if you want to do Oops. summer school. Like that's 5500 a quarter. And it's also one of the U.S.'s number one acting places, schools. Yeah. The La Jolla Playhouse has taken plays from their writers to Broadway. Yeah. I've seen two awesome. of them. Yeah. I've seen Xanadu and I've seen oh. Chaplin, which was Limelight. And they just took a handbag, like the, the story of the queen, like in her purse. Like they made that a play. Like that's I saw, how, that's I saw the original Crybaby. I don't think it really did that well on Broadway, but I saw Crybaby. Yeah. yeah. But, but you saw it here where it started. At the Playhouse. Yeah. And, like, and people who are in that program and stuff. So that was cool. Wow. But like people in that program, those actors are paying 5,500 a quarter to just exist in that theater and have a chance. Yeah. I actually saw and um, it's... Macbeth there and it was very good. Oh, I bet it was. That was like in the late nineties. Wow. Like, I'm pretty sure I was still in Lucky. high school. That's so cool. Yeah. It was, it was a great production. I just, everything I've seen there has been incredible. 
I have not seen a single thing that wasn't good at La Jolla Playhouse. Yeah. It's a magical, like, they are so good. They know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And they have such, like, they have the budget. They well, like, I mean, pulling in the budget, like any theater department, you can imagine there's always politics with the actors and like, you know, interpersonal drama with mm-hmm. like the, I generally find musical theater people to be the most annoying people I've ever met in my life. Like, please don't come for me, internet. But, like, (laughs) like anytime I I find out that I remember what I was like in high school. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. Anytime I find out that, like, the karaoke place we're singing has musical theater people that are also singing, I'm like, I'd just rather go. Like, I don't want to do this. (laughs) I'm so called out right now. (laughs) I don't find you... I I mean, you're, you're very energetic, but I don't find you annoying I'm mellow like you, and you don't you like met me you don't like need to be Love. the center of attention at all times which I think is what's the most annoying to me is like like look I'm talented everybody and I hate that like the I want you to reevaluate where we worked and what my job was and tell me I didn't need to be the center of attention <laughs> <laughs> okay so like there's a weird story about how I went to college so on my st- Tell me I don't need to be the center of attention after this story. Okay. On my graduation day, my, uh, in high school, the week before graduation, my dance teacher comes up to me and she's like, do you, are you in love? Do you have college plans? Do you have a direction that you want to go in life? And I was like, no, no, and kind of. And she's like, okay, I can get you a job as a dancer on a cruise ship. Oh, but, um, I am not, I'm not exact. I wasn't a fat kid back then. I was, I used to be like from like sixth grade till like 10th grade. And then like 11th grade, 12th grade, I skinned out pretty well, but I still had like the lower half of me as big. And I was told that I would have to show up to fat camp and cause I couldn't fit through the trap doors and I'd have to do a bunch of stuff. And I was like, that sounds really dope. Cause then I get to travel the world and I get to dance and sing and actually be a paid person for it. And then there was the other side where it's like, I just finished, um, I worked since I was 15 and a half because my parents didn't have enough money to send us to college. So they're like, you got to get a job and start saving and you need to learn responsibility. So I worked as first as a park ranger at a state beach. And then I worked at the zoo as a photographer. And so I already had jobs and I kind of was like, I think tourism is my niche. Like I'm good at it. It's kind of like acting. Cause you're like up in front of people talking to them, educating them. So I flipped a coin in my bedroom the day before graduation and decided heads was college. <laughs> the dancing. And I decided. And then, so then I went to college and then I ended up finding that environmental physical geography is actually where I want to be. And I ended up following that, which was a lot of math and science. Yeah complete 180 from the arts it's like all right now you're in physics class <laughs> welcome to physics children <laughs> like the glamorous world of physics yeah oh yes my favorite class ever so i feel like you fit like, in there too though like you're not yeah. like you're not like I've, the quintessential like theater kid i feel like actually a lot are. of the non-popular theater kids actually ended up in science because my favorite teacher who is in geomorphology teacher, which is the study of like volcanoes and glaciers and how the earth creates and destroys itself. She also did theater all the way through college. 
and she's just like, I knew I wasn't going to make it in theater. I had another passion. I did it. So I actually feel like, I feel like that's where a lot of the arts go is into science because they take that passion from Hamilton. <laughs> I mean, we weren't trying to just talk about Hamilton. No, it was just no, one, of, like was, the, one of the main points. Because okay. right. I was like, all right, we're going to like go in. We're gonna talk about Hamilton and no, the I mean, like, socioeconomic status. This was of both it, of our first times, so we don't know that much about it. Like, ah. I just kind of wanted to talk about, like you said, like the socioeconomic aspect of it versus, like, you know, the fact that yeah. it grossed a billion dollars worth of income. It's also like ha- Hamilton has a fandom, which, if you're looking at most musicals, aside from Wicked and Rent. Yeah. Wicked's pretty, pretty up there. Too, the fandom. I've never seen Wicked. I, I don't even know any of the songs, except for, I like, the saw. obvious ones. Oh, my God. You need to go see it. Um, I've seen it twice. <laughs> One time with my Girl Scout troop in the Pantages in, like, 2011. And then yeah. my boyfriend got me tickets for my birthday last year or the year before. And we went to go see it because he'd never seen a show that was, like, an on-Broadway-like level. Yeah. So it was like, here's your birthday present. The only thing playing is Wicked. And I'm like, that's fine. I love Wicked. <laughs> oh, that's, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah, that was like, this is not a it. bad one. You even twice, said that yeah. earlier. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good show. But like, those have cult followings. Like, you will, you can go up to people on the street and be like, oh, hey, Wicked. And people will be like, oh, yeah, I at least know of it. Hamilton, you can go up to, but you're not going to get anyone going, oh, hey, Pirates of Penzance. nobody's gonna know (laughs) that but even though it's a famous show and it's got a cult following in theater it's not famous because even hamilton makes a reference to pirates of penzance really when george washington comes down the stairs and he says i am the model of a modern major general but he says it in a certain way that's the same lines there's an entire song called modern major general and it's spoken it's sung in in like a very fast tempo it's like it's so fast and so it's it's like they he brought it to like hey i'm doing a show that's rapping and hey i'm the major i'm the general hey let's uh, bring in this joke that all theater people will get because it's like i am the very model of a modern major general my and then he goes on and that's literally the line and i do remember that line i just didn't know what it was from yeah, it's from Pirates of Penzance, because which if you ever I was more have of like the a chance. Drama nerd. Yeah. Versus like a musical I, nerd. I was 100% musical theater all the way. Uh, my, um, my wrapped Spotify playlist, um, one of my top artists was Hugh Jackman. And not just, not just like Les Mis, but like his Oklahoma soundtrack. <laughs> Like that's how deep we are. Oh wow! Oklahoma. Yeah, I. Oklahoma. He did some West Side Story. Like he's magic. He's Wolverine is the best. Yeah, he was but, pretty known for theater before he got movie star famous, right? Yes, he was very known. He's he was, and if you you can actually go on Broadway HD, like the streaming service, which I'm about to get because that's how bad I'm in this hole. Oh. Is like you can, or you can rent it for like two dollars on Amazon. You can watch the Rodgers and Hammerstein's Oklahoma with Hugh Jackman in a cowboy hat riding a horse. And who doesn't want to watch that? I'm good. I'm good on You're that. You're good. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm. 
he's got a voice that's magical and i've used yeah, magical no. like everyone if you're listening rewind this podcast every time i say magical take a drink because <laughs> <laughs> i i say i say it when describing theater and people that i i adore i use the word magical a lot. <laughs> so like hey oh drinking game we'll have to do that when we re-listen to it yeah, drink every time Bailey says magical, but like you can alternate <laughs> between water and drink because I care about your health. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's been a lot. <laughs> I didn't even notice when you pointed it out. Oh, uh, I did. Every time I said it, I'm like cringing and I'm like, oh, I did it again. <laughs> There's the title of the episode. Magical. The magical episode. Yeah, episode the mag- 20, the magical <laughs> episode. Take a shot. Take a shot. <laughs> Raise a glass to freedom. fantastic yay magical (laughs) there's another one in case you're still conscious playing along um i hope that that made sense the way this was my very first time um editing the content so um things (laughs) hopefully they still make sense or they're not too like Boop, 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 boop. Um, but, um, yeah, because normally Andy does all that as he is better so you can blame at me these for, things than I do. This time, um, you can still blame me, I guess. Yeah, no, this one's all on me. <laughs> um, all right, so, well, to wind things down for this week, um, you know, I know you're scheduled. Mm-hmm. To work, so um, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else more to say about that. <laughs> um, it's going to be a new experience. We haven't done a, a gut date in a while. Um, oh, uh, and, but there's that. There's not a whole lot of, other than we just we got some more accoutrements for their respective tanks, and had we talked about how we separated them into a. A boy tank and a girl tank? I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah, I think yeah. so. So, essentially what we did was we looked... Yes, we did talk about mm, this. We yeah. looked online, saw like the different characteristics that a male versus a female guppy would have, and then we tried to separate them ourselves. Um, as we explain often, we are still currently um, socially distancing and staying at home and all that, so we're trying not to go to like the pet store if we don't have to. So uh, every once in a while we'll look and we'll be like, is that a boy? Yeah. And then, you know, we'll put it in with the boys and then we'll put it back in with the girls. And I'm sure that one tiny little fish is so confused. But I suspect, and I may be wrong, but um, I'd like to have it on the record here. I have a feeling that French Fry is pregnant again. I don't think she is. There's no way she can be. I mean, other than the the... Dr. Ian Malcolm. Life uh, uh, finds a way. Right, but. Yeah. The, I don't know, the, though. The, I don't know. Been, I just, she been, she looks big, is all. She's so, big. We'll see. She's a big fish. Anyway. We'll see. Um, I think we pretty much covered our topics of so, social and cultural relevance. Yeah. Our um, chat with Bailey. So, and I don't Game really have. Thrones. Anything else that came up? News, Mm-mm. sports-wise. Sports-wise, there was that whole thing. The uh, quarterback from Kansas City signed this ginormous contract. Mm-hmm. Makes like $45 million a year for 10 years or something like that. Um, 
And the only thing, the only thing I mentioned about it to people is that some people, of course, posted on social media like, "Oh my gosh, can you imagine how much money that is?" And um, kind of based on what Chris Rock said in one of his specials, it's like, "Well, yeah, that is a lot of money, but he's pretty rich." But the probably white owner who signs his check and pays the other fifty-two players on the team. I know the team is a one percenter. I mean, that's a hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, so. and actually related to that, it the statistics were done, and it has been uh, discovered that literally half of the wealth in um, the stock market belongs to the one percenters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, yeah, I saw that. I mean, and it said uh, cray cray. when the um, so when. The government, our government, talks about keeping the stock market healthy or the economy. They only care about right the rich getting richer. Oh, not unlike never mind. Yeah, where I work. Um, yeah, um, schools. A lot of people are. Oh, there's so much to say about that. I don't even are, know. If we're I know. Next week are good. They're they're changing. I mean, things change today. They're pushing back. Um, dates of when to return and different states are doing different things and so mm-hmm. I, a lot of my friends in El Paso are their situation is changing by the minute I think California is pretty much a lot of the major universities are going mostly online but that's creating a huge deal because now ICE is using that to basically kick out all the um, foreign students that are attending schools that don't have in-person options that's just bonkers in-person classes and then the k-12 schools are pretty much leaving it up to the districts to figure it out and they're trying to decide well we're probably going to start online and then maybe give people a choice to do in person which is just nuts i mean anytime they're just like your job mm-hmm. a challenge that um, people have to take on additional roles and responsibilities. Um, teachers and school staff are going to have to do this to make this work, and it's well, it's like, yeah, sure, no problem, pay me more, <laughs> right? Anyway, anyway, yeah, um, I'm gonna go on like a whole thing where I could totally mm-hmm. get fired if I like, get too too riled up. Um, thankfully, I've never said the name of the company, so. Not yet. Didn't they? Somebody said it, but we cut it out. Uh, Ah, that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. Somebody did say it, but we cut it right out. Right. Um, Yeah, moving along and saying goodbye, I guess, for the day. Yep. I think think that'll just about do it for this week. Alrighty. Enjoy your weekend. So we'll be back for Lucky 21 Blackjack. Episode. Will that be our Pride episode or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, next week Fine. is the yes. Pride episode. Then we will. Uh, gay Pride episode. We will celebrate Ooh, we Pride. gotta come up with some special stuff for you after yes. that. We'll do something fun. Um, Wear some rainbows and stuff. Yes. Um, all right, so we wanted to change up our three Bs a little bit for you today. So to say goodbye, we say be safe, be smart, and be magical. <laughs>